Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Hi, everyone. This is Greg Myers, the creator and host of the Leaders in Payments podcast. As we come to the end of July, we're also coming to the end of the Women Leaders in Payments Month, sponsored by American Express. I've had five tremendous women leaders on the show, and they have provided some incredible advice and perspectives on women leadership in general and specifically related to payments. In this, the final episode, I'm going to pull together the best of the best related to the advice from our five guests. The podcast were more than just advice, though. I talked to each one of them about their unique journey and their unique perspectives about leadership and payments. My first guest on episode 100 was Kathleen Fiorella, the head of U.S. Partner Acquisition and Global Capabilities at American Express. She has been with American Express for 25 years and brings a unique perspective of someone who has moved up the corporate ladder, so to speak, taken on jobs that were uncomfortable, and always remained true to herself. My second guest on episode 101 was Sanera Madani, the founder and CEO of Stacks, formerly known as Fat Merchant. Stacks was founded in 2014 and processes payments for 25,000 merchants and has raised over $100 million. Sonera's parents immigrated to the U.S. and were entrepreneurs. Much of her drive and inspiration come from her parents. My third guest, episode 102, was Sam Edis, the founder and CEO of Park Place Payments. She has dedicated her career to advocating for women. She's a best-selling author of five books, has her own podcast, and regularly appears on TV. She has a fascinating founder's story. My fourth guest, episode 103, was Talbot Roche, the CEO and president of Blackhawk Network. She went from a part-time worker at Safeway Marketing Services to co-founding Blackhawk Network to the role of CEO and president, where she leads an organization that will do $26 billion this year in total load value across 28 countries. My fifth and final guest on episode 104 was Vivian Greentree, the head of global corporate citizenship at Fiserv. Prior to her role at Fiserv, Vivian served as a naval supply officer and co-founded Blue Star Families, which is the nation's largest military family organization. Each episode covers three themes. One, their personal and career journeys. So from childhood to high school to college to their first job, as well as their payments career progression. The second theme was a quick session where I asked 10 rapid fire questions like, what was your least favorite subject in high school? Or what is the most used app on your phone? One of the interesting rapid fire questions was about time travel. I asked if you could time travel, what period of history or time would you go to? Several responded they were more interested in the future than they were going back in time, which I found very interesting. The third theme was really about them providing career guidance and advice, and we're going to focus on that in this episode. Some of my personal favorite quotes, and I might be paraphrasing a little, but they were, I'm not a man in a skirt, be unapologetic, be fearless and challenge yourself, and focus on action over perfection. There are five subjects or questions we're going to cover, and I've added a few clips from our guest. I hope you enjoy the advice, but more than anything, I hope it motivates you, if you haven't already, to go listen to the full episodes and hear each of their unique stories. The first question is, 
what are your guiding principles? The first answer comes from Kathleen. Yeah, my North Star, so to, to, so to speak, right? Right. For me, and I, I think I said this to somebody earlier who I was interviewing, and she had apologized for something. And I said, please don't apologize. And, and that's advice I'd give all women. Be unapologetic into who you are. Stay true to yourself. Because I think we do ourselves a disservice sometimes by apologizing for being bold or for being direct. Because I think we're taught that or inevitably it's just some of a learned nature. So some of my, you know, my, my guiding principles are always about being, staying true to myself. The second answer comes from Sonera. Oh, I love this question. I would say it's our core values of the company that actually have not changed since day one. And they are just embedded in every single thing that we do. Number one, and it's funny, there's been so much evolution of the company, but this is where we refuse to change, which is our guiding principle, which is getting shit done. That was like the number one core value of the company. There is no job, big or small. We all really operate with, it's hyper growth. It's really fast. We call ourselves a rocket ship and you have to have that get shit done mentality. That is just plain honest truth. We're growing at thousand percent year over year. I mean, this kind of growth is hard and you have to, you know, you're around eight players. And so that mentality is definitely something that we have as a company. Number two, it's one team. And this kind of goes back to the value-based household that my brother and I grew up in. It's a familial business. Like our team is our family and we kind of operate as this one team unit We're about 200 strong now, but this core value of never seen an organization that truly values team over self. It doesn't matter if it's in sales, marketing, technology, product, the entire company really operates with a one team mentality. And then lastly, which all of this kind of ties back to, because you can't have one of these core values without the other, it's creating joy. And this was something that I was lacking and working for my previous companies. And I never felt like I went to work with that purpose that I was telling you about earlier, Greg, the mission centric that I felt I was part of something bigger than just myself. And I was making an impact and really creating joy, not just for our customers, but really creating joy for each other as a team. I want to walk in through those elevator doors every day and feel like I'm happy to be at work. And we're creating joy for our team. We're creating joy for our vendors, our partners, just anybody who comes in contact with Stacks just having that really what we call the best damn experience. And so that is something that is a core value of ours as a company. And so those three things have really been our guiding principle from day one. And it's incredible to see us seven years later with those exact three things. And it's not just a core value that's written on the wall. It's something that we actually do live and practice each and every day. The third answer comes from Sam. I think it's all about people. Like what's been really interesting, especially having raised money, is that so many people think of disruption in terms of disrupting technology. And there's constant iterations and changes technologically in fintech, which is super exciting. But I don't think we talk enough about disrupting the user experience. And so we lead with people first. We have a very strong culture at our company. It's a very celebratory culture, but it's also a we get shit done kind of culture. It's a combination of caring tremendously, but also being as efficient as we can be and really making sure that we're delivering the best possible experience to our customers. So as a leader, I think that one of the primary jobs is to make sure that your team is feeling confident and 
comfortable and happy because if you have any negativity on your team, it can really bleed into other things. And so I try to make sure that we hire for both positivity and experience, but I think attitude is everything. Next, Talbot talks about hers. Yeah, that's a great question. I really think it's pretty simple. I I would sum it up by saying commit, create, and connect. What do I mean by that? Commit. There's only about one flavor I understand in terms of committing. It's 150%. I believe that when you're in something, you're in it 150%, which means you're going to give everything you have to it and you're really passionate about what you do. Creating, what I mean by create is never settle for the status quo, right? We can always be thinking about what is a better solution? What is a a more effective way to do things? I don't think innovation is an event. It's a state of mind. So let's always be creating. And then finally, connect. And what I mean by that is success is not a singular path. It takes the support of many of those. It takes teamwork. Really connect with the people around you. That means customers. That means your employees. That can mean mentor relationships. Make sure that you're building trusting relationships around you. It also just makes work more rewarding. And finally, Vivian talks about hers. Definitely systems thinking and a think big, act small, move quick mentality because there's endless passion, endless purpose. But I think to me, that's the persistence, the grit, I guess. In the South, we would call it grit. I think everyone else would call it resiliency. (laughs) Right. Just that grit to be able to pick yourself up and just keep going because that's really these huge changes do not happen overnight. It happens by changing systems, changing systems over time. It takes passion and it takes purpose. But I think for me, the thing that brings it all together is that persistence. The second question about who inspired them in mentorship. Interestingly, every single one of them mentioned a parent or their parents as a person or people that inspired them. Kathleen, Sam, and Vivian mentioned their mothers. Talbot mentioned her father. And Sonera mentioned her parents because they were immigrants and entrepreneurs as well. When it comes to mentorship, here's Sam's answer. I think that what's interesting is I think my definition of mentorship has changed over the years. So for example, today, I if I have any sort of business problem, whether it's a founder problem or I'm raising money or whatever the subject is, I will go to certain women I'm close with who I know have been in that situation and lean on them. And I think that one of my suggestions to other entrepreneurs or other leaders is to broaden our definition of what a mentor is because it's kind of like you don't just have one friend, right? When you have one friend, that person's going to disappoint you because you can't lean on one friend for everything. You might have one friend that's a great listener and another friend that makes you laugh and another friend that you like to travel with. But in terms of when you think about a mentor, having one person, one person probably hasn't walked the same path that you have. But when you cobble together a bunch of inspirational people in your life, you have a sort of board of advisors that you can go to, whether you have a personal or professional problem. And so there's a number of people I lean on in that capacity. And here's my question, along with Talbot's answer regarding mentors. 
do you see mentorship as a as a sort of a, a more in casual may not be the right word, but thinking of women leaders coming up through the ranks and having mentors, do you see it more as like it should be a very thoughtful process that, hey, I, I need sort of my own personal board of advisors and I need a mentor to help me with this and a mentor to help me with that? Or or do you see it more of like a friendship kind of thing that you meet someone along the way and you call them a mentor? Kind of what's your view on that? It's a good question, Greg. And what I would do is not force anybody to choose one or the other, but pick what works for you. However, have a mentor, right? So if you're more comfortable doing it through a formal framework, that's great. Go ahead and engage that way. There's many women's networks that actually I participate in, Blackhawk participates in, where formal mentorship is available. And that may be more comfortable depending on how you approach it. I have always organically developed great relationships with people on my board, with people in the field and in the industry and or people I've worked with. That's been comfortable for me. I think it's less important how you do it. It's more important that you do do it because look, all of us succeed by leveraging the experience and the judgment and the insights that those who've come before us can share. It's an incredibly valuable asset. So I don't know why people wouldn't tap into it. I also personally find it very rewarding to have great relationships in my work environment and to have these trusting relationships where you really can bounce ideas off. It just makes you better. This idea that you have all the answers coming in, nobody does, right? So why not leverage the benefit of those who have other experiences or more experiences. And I don't think it matters how you do that. For the next question, I asked each of them, what is one characteristic that you believe every woman leader should possess? Here's Kathleen's answer. I have a few. I Be bold and take risks. I found that the best experiences that I've had in roles are ones where I took the most amount of risk. I think you have to be fearless in taking those risks. Challenge yourself. Don't stay with things that make you comfortable. And then I think I've said it before, you know, be unapologetic, be yourself, show up as who you are in your authentic self. I find that I do best with leaders that are authentic. And so I always try to be as authentic as I can for a leader because I find that people can see through inauthenticity and I connect better with people when I can bring my true self to bear. And here's how Sonera answered the question. I think a characteristic that every leader should possess, whether woman or not, and that's what I think we have to change, is just being authentic to who you are. I've definitely seen as a woman in business and being in a male-dominated industry and always being the only woman in rooms full of men that sometimes we feel like we have to fit in into a mold that we're not. And I always like to say, I'm not a man in a skirt. And so I want to be who I am. I want to feel authentic in my leadership, in my style, and lean into that versus trying to lean into any sort of masculine energy or needing to be a certain way or talk a certain way. And sometimes we as women are expected to be that way or we're deemed as weak. And I've seen that happen multiple times in my career. And I've watched this through other careers of women in leadership as well. And so something that I would say, whether you're a woman or a man, and if you are in a leadership position, it's so important for you to really be your authentic self. And great leaders are made, they're not born. And you can have all different types of traits to be a leader. There isn't a defined track of 
what a leader should be like. And here's Sam's answer. Well, it's really a characteristic that every leader should possess, and it's curiosity. I think that the best leaders are those who are constantly learning and trying to better themselves. I know that I don't have all the answers. I know that I can always be better than I am today. And so I'm constantly, whether it's listening to podcasts or whether it's reading, one of the things I'm always doing as a leader is reading novels because I think that it helps you understand people even better and expands your way of thinking and expands your creativity to be reading outside of your comfort zone. I think a lot of leaders make the mistake of only reading nonfiction books about other leaders, but often you learn more from fiction than you do from nonfiction. So that's one thing is I think that I've always been inspired by curious people. And this is Talbot's answer. Okay. So confidence. Confidence. And what I would say is if you don't have it, learn it. And some, I think this is harder for women because they tend to be harder on themselves, right? So if they look at a new opportunity, there's been studies done on this, where let's say they have eight of the 10 characteristics or skill sets required for the job. They'll focus on the two rather than focusing on the eight and say, I'm not qualified. Whereas on average, a man's more inclined to say, I have eight, I'm qualified. Have the confidence that you are smart and through hard work, will figure things out as you go. You don't have to have everything figured out in advance of leaning in. Another way of saying that is focus on action over perfection, right? There's no need for everything to be ticked and tied to get started. It's more impactful to act than to wait until you have everything figured out. And finally, Vivian's answer. I don't know that there's any one characteristic. I think, you know, I said the passion purpose, but for me, it's that persistence. It's that grit. I think women have to have that grit and resilience. And really everyone would do good to be able to overcome and come out stronger because of challenges that they face. I am a woman. So (laughs) I, I know, you know, there are tangible obstacles and challenges that women face. And then if you overlay intersectionality with women of color and even additional obstacles, you know, that persistence comes in. And I used to say, fake it till you make it. And I still say that I would still give that advice. If you don't think you should be in the room, or you're wondering how you got in the room, you know, act like you should be there. But I do understand even now the evolution of my thinking is once you have made it or you get to the part where you feel like you are comfortable holding the door open for others and making it easier so that the next generation doesn't have to fake it. For the next question, I specifically asked them advice they would give to the next generation of female leaders. And here's what they had to say. First up is Kathleen. No role is out of bounds and that you shouldn't ever let anyone define your destiny. And think big. There is no job that you can't do if you put your mind to it. And I say that because there were so many jobs that I decided to take that were so risky for me that I was just like, oh my God, I don't think I have that skill set. I don't think I can do it. And it was my own, my own lack of confidence that held me back. And so don't let that inner voice that isn't as sharp as the confidence that you probably will have over time as you get as you get more senior in roles. Don't let that talk you out of opportunities because there are so many great things you can do if you just put your mind to it and work hard, right? I think we're all we're all smart in different capacities and we can all learn and you just have to be open to it and I'm not afraid of it. And don't let people tell you where you should go or what box you should sit in. And now Sonera? 
I would say that for the next generation of female leaders, there's definitely a few things that we need to do. And it is to just be bold and to ask for it, to go for it, to take the risk. I think one of the things that we do as women is we are perfectionist and that we're always self-doubting our own abilities. And we kind of create these stories in our head about our own competence to say that we need to have 100% perfection in these areas. If you look at some of the statistics around job descriptions and women even applying for positions, they feel like they don't have the skill set, they're not going to apply, even if they have 95% of the skill set, whereas men may have 50% of the skill set, and they feel very confident in their ability to get the job. And so I think that's definitely one of the things that holds us back is just the ability to just go for it and to take the risk and to take a bet on ourselves. And honestly, I was the last person to take a bet on me. And I look back at that and I would have obviously not been in the position that I am today, but that is something that I'm very, very passionate about is showcasing and highlighting that taking a risk is the only way to go for it. So take the risk, go for it, bet on yourself. You've absolutely got every single thing that it takes. And if he can, then so can you. And here's how Talbot answered the question. It's a really good question. When I look back through the years, the biggest breakthroughs have come from one of of two things. One is resilience. And what I mean by that is when you face some kind of challenge, in your career or in your business or maybe in your personal life and career balance, look at that challenge, try to reframe any crisis as an opportunity, right? If you become overwhelmed by the challenge, you're not going to be as effective. If you look at it as an opportunity to do something different, to find a solution, to create new value, to overcome that challenge, you will set yourself apart. So, A crisis isn't always a bad thing. It's an opportunity to shine. The second is know your own worth and ask for the opportunity. Be proactive about it. Sometimes that's uncomfortable to push yourself forward and, but let people know you want more opportunity and it will come to you faster. If people know you're a willing participant, you're raising your hand, you're saying, I want to jump in here and to the ability that you can act at the next level. Go ahead and just take on responsibility and keep your eye on creating value for your enterprise. As long as you're taking care of the customer, you're driving value and you're doing good and good things will happen to you. So I think it's those things, resiliency and know your own uh, value and go ahead and be be very open about the fact you want more opportunity. And lastly, Vivian. I mean, so the SEALs have a very good mantra of get comfortable being uncomfortable. And of course, that's more like cold water and holding your breath. But I think that that is such good advice because it's building up that tolerance, that grit for getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And if that is taking on new projects or leaning into speaking up in a meeting, I think that it's that get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because if you're comfortable, that actually to me means you're not learning, you're not stretching, you're not growing. It's kind of like that butterfly analogy. And I think that that's where the persistence comes in because it does take grit and resilience to be uncomfortable and charge forth anyway. The final question was, how much of your success do you attribute to hard work versus luck? Every single one of them answered that without a doubt, it was hard work. Some mentioned that hard work was instilled in them from childhood, or they saw how hard their parents worked. Does luck play a part? Maybe just a tad. And as Vivian said, 
the harder you work, the luckier you get. These were obviously just some of the clips from the five podcast. I was honored and blessed to get to meet and interview each of these guests. And again, I'd like to personally thank Kathleen, Sonera, Sam, Talbot, and Vivian. Each of them took time out of their busy schedules to talk about their personal and career journeys, as well as provide some outstanding advice. And finally, a special thank you to American Express for sponsoring the Women Leaders in Payments Month. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 